0: From a ruin to treasure, I think you it-
1: Counting every blessing. I want to say you guys are a blessing to us. We appreciate you leading us in worship. Welcome to the First Baptist Virtual Church of Coronado. We're so glad to have you with us today. I'm thankful for you who are watching by way of computer or iPad or smartphone or whatever. Thank you so much for being with us today. This is week seven of our confined to quarters COVID 19 uh, services. And uh, you know what? God is going to get the victory in all of this and we're certainly thankful that He is. Today we're preaching on the idea of ultimate makeovers and how that God is going to make us over one day all brand new and the new earth and the new heaven are going to be new. It's going to be an amazing thing in our series on uh, the Bible study of heaven. So that's where we are this week. No through the week meetings, of course, still practicing our social distancing. Our our singers are eight feet apart, so uh, they're doing well. Uh, no, there are Bible studies online. I would suggest you go to Version Y-O-U-V-E-R-S-I-O-N, YouVersion.com. There are a couple of hundred different Bible studies you can go on there. Next Sunday is Mother's Day. Woo! This is going to be the weirdest Mother's Day you've ever had, maybe. Uh, but I hope you'll tune in. I hope you'll take care of mom. I hope you'll treat her right. I hope you'll be extra nice to her. Uh, it is her day. And Dads, Father's Day's coming up, so you reap what you sow. You know what I mean? I'm just a little heads up there. So uh, I want you to pray for our services, pray for the, uh, the live streaming. Also, uh, members of First Baptist Church of Coronado, if you can go online and give your tithes and offerings and, or use the U.S. mail, uh, either way, we would appreciate that. It's uh, online, it's fbcoronado.com. And then let others know about uh, our online services. And if you need something, if we can be of service to you, let us know. We have some people in our congregation who are willing to do shopping for you or whatever you need. Thursday's National Day of Prayer. I was given this brochure by Gordy uh, today. And so uh, if you want to go on nationaldayofprayer.org online, Easy to remember, nationaldayofprayer.org. It'll tell you the things uh, to pray for and how this uh, day of prayer is going to work this year. Uh, right at the top is praying for the church, then praying for government, praying for family, praying for education, business, military, media, uh, and why should we pray for America, and, and all kinds of good information. So uh, go to nationaldayofprayer.org. Now, if we had... Um, Routine or regular church, I don't like the word regular. I never want to have regular. We always want to have super ordinary churches, but uh, church services. But if we had a congregation here this morning, I would have printed out a bulletin, but since I don't have a congregation here to print out a bulletin for, I'm going to read it to you. It's entitled "The New Heavens and the New Earth: May the 3rd, 2020, COVID-19 Isolation, Week Seven. In Second Peter chapter 3 verses 7 through 13, it makes an astonishing claim. Peter tells us a day is coming when everything on earth and in the atmosphere will burn up and be renovated by fire. God judged the earth in Noah's day with water. The next and last renovation of the earth will be by fire. But skeptics say that's not possible. Dirt and rocks don't burn, and 71% of the earth's surface is covered with water, and everyone knows water doesn't burn. This must be just another claim by Christians who are ignorant of basic science. Oh, really? Science teaches us that every element on the periodic table has a kindling point, a point called autoignition at which it will burn. Therefore, the earth's crust can burn, and by the way, it will, because God says it will, if it reaches a certain temperature. Also, most of the water covering the earth is salt water. There is no specific scientific notation for salt water because salt water is not a molecule, but it's a mixture In water, it it forms sodium chloride plus H2O and sodium hypochlorite plus hydrogen. You know what happens when you drop pure sodium into a beaker of water in your chemistry lab class? I do. I did it in 1965. My professor was not happy. A flame leapt about a foot and a half into the air, and the beaker holding the water shattered. It was awesome. In addition, consider the fact that burning is simply the rapid oxidation of an element and oxygen comprises over 21% of our atmosphere. You know why you can't have an open flame around oxygen tents or tanks? Because they will ignite. So you see, way before there was a periodic table or formulas to memorize in chemistry class, there was supernatural revelation. The Holy Spirit told Peter to write about things that would happen a couple of thousand years later that made absolutely no sense to the people of that day. Fire has a way of consuming the sacrifices of Israel and their worship of God. Fire also purifies. And this earth and our atmosphere have been polluted by mankind. And God has a remedy for this. And He will unleash it soon. And you know what? In the days in which we live, I can say that day is gonna be quicker than you can believe. It may be in our lifetimes that Jesus Christ comes back for his own. So make sure you're ready to go. Let's bow our heads in prayer together. Our Heavenly Father, as we come before you, we're amazed at uh, just the incredible truth and reality of supernatural inspiration, how that you recorded things thousands of years ago that nobody could even see how it could possibly come true, and yet today we're living it. Not only the idea of a new heaven, new earth, and and the burning and, and the renovating of the old, but also... The idea that everybody would be aware of something simultaneously, uh, an an idea that proffered 2,000 years ago that we couldn't see how that could possibly happen even 50 years ago. But now with satellite technology, now with computers, now with all kinds of media, all kinds of of personal devices, communications, and social systems and so on, we can see how things can happen all at once. And one day, uh, all of your prophecies will be fulfilled. So, Father, I pray that we would be ready. I pray you'd bless the the singing as we continue to worship you in song and bless the preaching of your word, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's continue to worship God together.
0: is called.
1: Treasure you found. Amen. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you, Katie, so much. And thank you, Nick, for putting this on Facebook. We appreciate that every single week. Okay, if you have your Bible, turn to First Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and while you're turning there, my favorite part of the service is to be able to talk to the boys and girls, and so if you were here, you'd come up to the stage, but you're not, so gather around your iPad, your smartphone, your TV screen, your computer screen, wherever it is you're watching this, gather around, kids, come on, get a little closer, come on, make room, mom, dad, move over a little bit, let them come in, okay, I want to talk to you about a very important thing, boys and girls, why are you here? Why are you here? I don't mean here like in front of your iPad or your computer. I mean, why are you on earth? Did the stork just drop you off at your mom and dad's place, huh? Or were they taking a walk and they found you under a cabbage leaf? I don't think so. Did they go to Kids Are Us and pick you out? I don't think so. I think God made you, and I think God gave you life. God put you together and put you on this earth because, listen, boys and girls, God has a plan for you. Even if you're a little kid, five years old, six years old, seven years, God has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you and for your life. And when God makes plans, they're big plans because God is a really big God. I'm going to give you the reason why. You're here, okay? The main reason why you're here, the main reason why all of us are here and adults are here along with kids, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. God put us on this earth primarily, I know, to make a living, to have fun, to have families, but primarily he put us on this earth to glorify him. So whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. If you're eating a cereal this morning or a donut... Give glory to God. If you're eating a steak, probably not. But if you are, give glory to God. If you're eating a hot dog, give glory to God. Be thankful for his provision. If you're drinking a glass of juice or milk or Um, um, even water or tea, do so to the glory of God. He has provided that for you. If you're working, do so to the glory of God and thank him for the ability to be able to work. There are a lot of people who are not working right now who wish they could, and hopefully soon they'll be able to go back to work. If you're playing, do it to the glory of God. Be thankful you live in a place where you can have a good time and have fun. If you're reading, thank God for your eyesight because he's the one who gave it to you. If you're watching television, do it to the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it to the glory of God because that's the reason God made you and God made me was to give him glory. And you can't do that when you're sinning. You can't do that when you're disobeying God. You've got to obey God and put him first in your life. So here's the question, boys and girls, to all of you who are watching this morning. Will you decide you are going to glorify your God every day of your life? I hope you will, okay? Father, bless each one of these young men and young ladies who are watching today, and God, protect them from the powers that be that would destroy their young lives And, Lord, help them to honor you and to glorify you every single day of their lives. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, moms and dads, there's no gospel song. You may know the song. that's about the subject of today's message. It's entitled, I'll Have a New Life. Let me just read the first verse. It says, on that resurrection morning when the dead in Christ shall rise, I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Won't it be bright and fair when we meet our loved ones over there, I'll have a new body, praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. And it goes on uh, for three more verses at least. One really hard of hearing old guy really liked that song because he thought it was saying, I'll have a new body, praise the Lord, I'll have a new wife. But that's not what it was saying, not wife, life. You ever watch Extreme Makeover on TV? I don't even know if it's on anymore. But I used to watch that, and I love that. Uh, to watch this old, dilapidated, beat-up house, or maybe real small, and 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 to see them go in there and, and it just as an entirely different living space. I don't know why. My wife got me to watch a uh, an episode of Hoarders yesterday. Do you know that's addictive? Watch. The- <laughs> We could, it's like I took my lunch over, and I'm finishing my lunch there, and I, I you know, I, I, hey, put it on hold. I'll be right back. I've got to go take care of something, uh, but, uh, but to watch them renovate that and, and to take something that was absolutely disgusting and disease-ridden and to see it turned into a thing of beauty is an amazing thing. I have a neighbor who lives about a half a mile from me who, has, uh, who, who about mm, three years ago bought a, a 1959 convertible. Chevy convertible, 1959. If you know, it's a cat's eye convertible. It's a real desirable uh, model. And it was all primered out. All the chrome was off. It had ugly wheels on it. The top was gone. It was an absolute mess. The interior was ripped up, and uh, it was just awful. And I, I thought, wow, that's, I, don't know how this, I don't know how this is going to turn out. And you know what? It was gone for about nine or 10 months Out of his garage for nine or ten months, and one day I was walking my dogs by his house, and the garage door was open, and there's this beautiful black '59 Chevy with three two-barrel carburetors and a 350 engine, and 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 new black top and new interior. Everything was incredible on it. Well, listen, we got a day of renovation coming for us one of these days. We'll have a new body. We'll have a new life. Will we be spirits? Some people think we're going to float around. When we die, we become angels. I'm going to tell you something. Uh, I don't know too many of us going to be angels. That's, that's for sure. Uh, are we going to have celestial bodies or physical bodies? The Bible gives us answers. They are corporeal, real, recognizable, free of limitations, and free from sin. Benjamin Franklin said this. Benjamin Franklin lies in the grave like the cover of an old book with its contents torn out, Stripped of its lettering, but will, will appear once again in a new and more eloquent edition, revised and corrected by the author. And that's what we are. We, we, this old body, the old shell, will be planted one day, but the real us goes to be with God, and one day he's going to raise us and fill us and give us a new body. So let's talk about uh, ultimate makeover this body, the resurrection of the body in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35. But someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question. When you put a seed in the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you're planting. Then God gives it the new body. He wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. Similarly, there are different kinds of flesh. One kind for humans. One kind for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are also bodies in heaven and bodies on earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. The sun has one kind of glory, and the moon and the stars have another. And even the stars differ from each other in their glory. It is in the same way for the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they'll be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they'll be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they'll be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. And the scriptures tell us, the first man, Adam, became a living soul, a living person. But the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit, spirit. What comes first is the natural, and then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man. We're like Adam. And heavenly people are like the heavenly man, like Christ in his resurrected body. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we shall someday be like the heavenly man. So... I got something to tell you. We got this COVID-19. We got all this concern about, uh, uh, I, I told Pat, I need, a, I need a T-shirt that says, I survived Y2K. I survived SARS. I survived Ebola. I survived COVID-19, at least to this point. If I don't make it, you can cross that out later. But I, I, I need a shirt that says, you know, all these things. And, and all these things are threatening to kill us, to take our lives. But let me tell you something, before there can be resurrection, there has to be death. So I want you to think about this a little bit differently. John twelve twenty four 24 says, uh, Jesus speaking, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, <clears throat> a beautiful harvest, Of new lives. I remember that verse. I remember that very verse from when I was about eight or nine years old sitting around a table with with a pastor who was teaching us boys and girls about Christ and about the importance of, of him coming to this earth and dying on the cross and being buried and three days later resurrecting again. In order for him to accomplish the work that he had, he had to die so that he could be buried so that he could resurrect again. So death, in a sense, ought to be embraced, not feared. For a Christian, it should not be feared. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I, 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 I don't want to die. I really don't. I want to take care of my wife. I want to take care of my kids. I want to see my grandkids. I, I want to enjoy my church people. I, I want to uh, just be the uh, you know, have the joy of being a citizen in a great country like the United States of America. I, I, I want all that. Uh, but Death is coming, and death will come unless the Lord comes back, Uh, and death is the lobby to eternity, okay? So when this body ceases to exist, when this heart quits beating, when these lungs quit taking in oxygen, when my brain quits thinking, some of you think that's already in the past, uh, when all that happens, that simply means eternity is right there for me. If we didn't die, we would be forever in these old bodies. Think about that. Think about that. All of the things that are going on that are not working right, all the things that are doing things that they're not supposed to do, uh, it would just get worse and worse and worse and worse. We w- but we will not be in these old bodies forever. Without death, there is no resurrection. One of my fe- I-, I belong to a, a car club, uh, and one of my fellow enthusiasts asked me online this question this week. He said, and, and he was dealing with some <clears throat> personal issues, excuse me, and he said, when an elderly person's family is told to make them comfortable, there's nothing more that can be done. He says, do you as a pastor try to lift their spirits by saying this is a time to celebrate because they're going home to heaven, or does that sound callous? Uh, That's a good question. And I told him, you know what, when people get to that point, they need to understand. If they're Christians, they need to understand, you know what, it's going to be a lot better one of these days. It's going to be a lot better pretty soon for you. I may go before you, but but you may go before I do. It's going to be a lot better. So embrace that and, and, and it's okay. <clears throat> and if they're not Christian, if you really love them, you owe it to them to tell them that there's a remedy for sin and that Christ will save them so that their eternity can be blessed forever and ever. So Death is, is the lobby to eternity. So before resurrection, there's death. Because of resurrection, there's a new body. The seed's one thing. I've got seed packets at home, little corn seeds, little mustard seeds, little green bean seeds, whatever. Uh, and, and when you put them in the ground and they start growing, they look entirely different. It doesn't, it's not a big kernel of corn that grows up. It's a stalk that starts to grow up, and then it gets the silk, and it gets the ears, and, and pretty soon it produces an abundance of corn, um, several thousand seeds like the original one. So you plant it one thing, and it raises up in another. It's sown one way, and it is different than, in at least four different ways. It's indestructible. Our bodies that will be raised up one day will be indestructible, be like Christ's resurrected body. It's identifiable. People say, well, we know each other in heaven. You're going to know your mom and dad in heaven. You're going to know your mom and dad in heaven and grandparents, and you'll know. We have loved ones who are with the Lord. I have no doubt we're going to know them. We're going to recognize them. Uh, Jesus had a real body. Luke chapter 24, verse 39, he said, look at my hands. My feet touch me. After the resurrection, he ate at least on two different occasions. That'll be an encouragement to Baptists because we love to eat. There'll be casseroles in heaven, I'm sure. There'll be potlucks in heaven. Jesus told Thomas, touch me. See, Thomas was doubting that he really had risen from the grave, that he really was uh, alive in a physical sense. He said, touch me. And then he told Mary not to cling to him. Don't, Don't hold me back. Now I've got something to do. We'll know each other. On the Mount of Transfiguration, Do you ever think about this? On the Mount of Transfiguration, when Moses and Elijah appeared alongside of Jesus, the disciples who lived hundreds of years after them knew who they were. God allowed them to know who they were. So uh, we're recognizable. It's going to be uh, identifiable, indestructible, and incredible. From weakness to power. Uh, Jesus was able to walk through walls I don't know if we're going to be able to walk through walls but in John 20 19 the disciples were behind locked doors and Jesus uh, suddenly appeared in their midst incredible bodies, infinite bodies the natural body versus the spiritual body Uh, one's at home on this earth the other's going to be at home in heaven Johnny Erickson Tata maybe you know her she was a great athlete she was a tremendous vibrant Christian young lady in a tragic swimming accident, she became paralyzed from the neck down. <clears throat> and instead of getting bitter, uh, she, she drew closer and closer to the Lord. Here's a quote from this lady who has been confined to a wheelchair since she was a teenager. She says, I can still hardly believe it. I, with shriveled, bent fingers, atrophied muscles, gnarled knees, and no feelings from the shoulders down, will one day have a new body like bright and clothed in righteousness, powerful and dazzling. Can you imagine the hope this gives someone, a spinal cord injured person like me, or someone who is cerebral palsied, brain injured, who is, or who has multiple sclerosis? Imagine the hope this gives someone who is manic depressive. No other religion, no other philosophy promises new bodies, new hearts, and new minds. And she concludes by saying this, Only in the gospel of Christ do hurting people find such incredible hope. No wonder Paul says in this same chapter, if in this life only we have hope, we are most miserable. But we have another life that's promised us, don't we? Another life that's going to be a wonderful thing. But that's not all that's going to be made new, okay? One of the most fascinating things and subjects that, that I like to think about is the renovation of the heavens and the earth. The, the, the new bodies are part of the ultimate makeover, but the heaven and the earth will also be made better than ever. Where the New Deal and with the Great Society and communism and socialism and other proposed utopias have all failed, God will succeed. Do you know that the, home, the, the, the human race is homesick for a place like the Garden of Eden? You know, God put Adam and Eve in the the garden first, and then later Eve, and and it was a great environment. He was able to do work there. He was able to grow things. He was able to harvest crops. He was able, he he named the animals and and had a, a beautiful life, and then they were asked to leave because they fell into sin, and ever since then, we've been a little bit homesick for heaven, Herman. Bavnik said, according to scripture, the present world will neither continue forever, nor will it be destroyed and replaced by a totally new one. Instead, it will be cleansed of sin and recreated, reborn, renewed, and made whole. While the kingdom of God is first planted spiritually in human hearts, the future blessedness is not to be spiritualized. Biblical hope rooted in incarnation and resurrection is creational, this-worldly, visible, physical bodily hope the rebirth of human beings is completed in the glorious rebirth of all creation the new jerusalem whose architect and builder is god himself and so this world is going to be changed one of these days the promise is according to isaiah 66:22, as surely as my, the new heavens and the new earth will remain so you always will be my people with a name that will never disappear and again he says, I am creating new heavens and new earth so wonderful that no one will be even think about the old ones anymore. Can you imagine that? As beautiful as it is to live in San Diego, as beautiful as it is to go see the, uh, the phosphorescent colors and, 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 the, and the the, breaking of, uh, the breakers and, uh, and the waters that washes the shore. I was talking to Ryan the other day th- this week and he said it, it, they were running in the water and, and it would be blue footprints everywhere they stepped. Uh, because of the luminescence and, and the beauty of, of the ocean itself and the beauty of the mountains, the beauty of the desert and all of the animal creation, all, I mean, the, the, all of that. And, and God says, I'm creating a new heavens and a new earth that are so wonderful, you won't even think about this one anymore. That's hard to imagine. I, it's impossible for me to imagine. And how's it going to take place? Well, Second Peter 3, 7 says, And by the same word, the present heavens and earth, have been stored up for fire. They're they're in storage for a renovation. They're being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, a thousand years like a day, and the Lord isn't really slow about his promises, some people think. He is being patient for your sake. He has waited so that more people could come to know Christ as their personal Savior. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed Peter says, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. You got that? The heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, a kind of a, an explosive type thing. And the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. That Uh, auto-ignition point, that kindling point, will be reached. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, He will set the heavens on fire and the elements will burn, uh, melt away with flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth. He has promised a world filled with God's righteousness. You see, from the beginning's of the fallen into sin in the Garden of Eden until this very day, this world has been contaminated by sin, contaminated by sinful beings. We have been everything we touch we contaminate it's like it 's like you know this this covid nineteen uh, can can live on surfaces and and people if they shake hands or hug can pass it from one to the other if they cough they can, droplets can spread it, it, it well, instead of covid nineteen. We've been doing that for thousands of years with sin. Everything we touch, every breath of air we take, every breath we expel uh, spreads our sinfulness. And so this renovation is going to purify that which God originally made perfect and was contaminated by sin will be made perfect again. In Hebrews chapter 1, the Lord in the beginning, uh, you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens of the work of your hands, and even they will perish, but you will remain forever. They will wear out like old clothing. You will roll them up like an old coat. They will fade away like old clothing. But you always are the same. You will never grow old. God is forever, but his creation is going to be changed. In Revelation 21:1, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making all things new. No longer will anything be cursed for the throne of God, and the lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him. It's going to be a purification process, folks. And this is the the last thing to happen to this earth uh, after the millennial reign and Satan's final rebellion. The last thing that will happen before eternity begins will be the renovation of the heavens and the earth. And by the way, it's not that this earth is going to be destroyed. It's going to be cleansed by fire. The first time it was cleansed by water. The earth and everything uh, in it was inundated And the ark of safety was the only reason that human life and animal life survived. So the whole world was changed and renovated. And it's going to be laid bare, the Bible says, uncovered, not destroyed, but purified, not burnt up completely, but but man-made material will be consumed, the effects of sin will be gone, but... New here means new in terms of quality, not never before existing. It's going to be renovated. It's going to be that, that ultimate makeover. It's going to be that house that was so bad that is beautiful now. It's going to be that, that hoarder's home that was transformed uh, from something ugly and, and disease-ridden and rodent-ridden to something that was beautiful and accommodating and, and inviting. This, that's what God's going to do to this earth. All decay will be gone. All disease will be gone. All depravity will cease. All destruction will be taken away. Second Peter chapter 3 warns us this. They deliberately forgot that God made the heavens by the word of his command. Yeah, that's what evolutionists do. They totally deny that God made it. There's some big bang theory. Uh, my question is always, what went bang? Well, there were gases floating around. Well, what made the gases? Well, this, uh, some, something else happened back however many trillion years ago. Well, where did that come from? Well, I said, well, you have the same problem. Where did God come from? I'm going to tell you, God can come from wherever he wants to come from because he's God. I'm starting with the idea of an all-present, all-powerful, all-knowing entity who can design, construct, and make everything that he says is made You're starting with some gases that you don't know where they came from that bumped into each other and blew up. And out of that explosion, we have order. I don't think explosions make for order. I think explosions make for disorder. So they deliberately forgot God made the heavens by the word of his command, and he brought the earth up out of the water and surrounded it with water. They deny the universal worldwide flood. Then he used the water to destroy the world with a mighty flood. They deny that too, unbelievers do. And God also has commanded that the heavens and earth will be consumed by fire on the day of judgment when ungodly people will perish. So we had Noah's flood, first time the earth was renovated. We've got the fire that's promised the second time, and the last time the earth will be renovated. Well, there's a couple of things in there that I read a moment ago that uh, I, I kind of did some research on and and it talks about there will be no more sea and and that's almost like sacrilege to people in San Diego the people in California who live on the coast what no more sea, no more surfing, no more paddleboarding, no more uh, swimming in the in the ocean well I, I, I did find this from some commentators okay i 'm going to give you uh, what i re- what I found out reveal to you something that might be encouragement. Uh, some believe this means the removal of the turbulence and the danger of stormy seas. Sailors of old in particular uh, always had a dread of stormy seas. We have instances in the Bible where uh, with Jonah, for example, and later on with the Apostle Paul and how there was great loss of merchandise, and, but no loss of life in that shipwreck that he encountered. But the seas were always a problem if there was a storm, if there was, and, and, and there was always something down there. I don't know about you, I, I, I get in the ocean very little because I can't see what's down there. <laughs> And, and I know you guys, you, know, you probably think I'm a wimp, whatever, but I, I just kind of like to know what's going to eat me. I, I like to see ahead of time what's going to eat me uh, rather than just all of a sudden be gone. So so all of the, the, the things about the seed that are bad are not going to be bad any longer. That's one interpretation of this, but I know one thing for sure, and that is the reversal of the curse. The earth as well as mankind will be redeemed from the curse. This earth has been cursed along with us. Weeds and thorns and crabgrass and all that stuff, that's part of the curse. Deserts, guess what? You know what? Uh, The deserts bloomed when Israel uh, irrigated and and tilled the soil. And when when they took the land back, it it flourished. And and Israel, even today, you go there, it's like when I went across the Sinai, Back in, I can't remember when now, 1980 something, 70 something, you went from Egypt, I mean, sand, I mean, rock, I mean, gray, brown, nothing, right to the boundary of Israel. And there it was lush and beautiful and incredible, like a garden. That was the difference. And, and, and God is going to restore the beauty of this earth one day. He's going to remove the curse. Animals themselves, by the way, animals. We talked about, uh, will there be animals in heaven to the kids last week? Uh, you know what? <clears throat> the Bible talks about a lot of animals that are going to be in heaven. And guess what? They're not going to be vicious anymore. Maybe I'll go in the ocean then. Maybe the shark will come up and kind of, you know, rub its fin against me or something and an and act of, uh, of love and, and unity. I don't know. But poisonous snakes are not going to be a problem, and, and lions and tigers and bears, oh my, not going to be a problem. So the restoration of all things, Ephesians 1 says, and this is his plan, at the right time he'll bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth, everything in heaven and earth will be united in Christ. He'll break that wall down, and, and we will not have the wall of sin between us and any of creation. So I don't know about you, but I get a little excited about heaven. Last week, we talked about the fact that heaven will not be boring. It's going to be a blast. But I'm saying today, maybe part of heaven is this earth renovated, made right again. Maybe we'll travel to other planets just for fun. Maybe we'll go into the very abode of God in the third heaven just for an audience with Him. I don't know, but there's a new heaven and a new earth and a new heaven. And wherever it is, it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be amazing. And and it's going to be so much better than the alternative place, which is the place of the eternal dead, the lake of fire. So where are you headed today? Are you on your way to heaven? Are you on your way to the new Jerusalem, the new heavens, the new earth? Or or are you on your way to a place called hell that one day will be emptied into the lake of fire forever and ever? There's only one way to get into heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who loved you, died for your sins, was buried, and rose again on the third day. Do you know him? Have you put your faith in him? Are you trusting him? For everlasting life if you are even though you don't want to think about death it doesn't need to bring fear into your life it doesn't need to be a dreadful thing because it is the opportunity that we have to meet our god so if you've received christ as your personal savior heaven will be your home but what about those around you what about family members are they all going to be there What about your neighbors on either side of you, in the front of you, the back of you? Are you inviting people? Are you administering people? Are you giving them the gospel? Or are you ignoring all of that? God help us to be ambassadors for Christ, letting them know he loved them and died for them and rose again. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, as we bow in your presence, we want to thank you for loving us with an incredible love, such a superfluous love that you would send your son, your only begotten son, to a sin-cursed earth to be ridiculed, rejected, ultimately crowned with thorns and beaten and crucified and buried so that after three days you could raise him from the dead again so we could have eternal life through Christ. With every head still bowed just for a moment, if you're listening in the auditorium or if you're listening at home or wherever you might be, if you do not know Christ as your Savior, I want you to invite him into your life right now. I want you to pray something like this. It's not a magic formula. It's not magic words you have to say, but pray something like this. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I know that I'm going to die one day I believe that Jesus Christ is your son, God. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And this morning, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Because you've said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I call upon you today in faith. And if you did that, if you prayed that prayer, If you'll let me know, send an email, send a letter, give me a phone call. I'll send you a book that'll get you started, free of charge, get you started serving the Lord. Father, we thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. We thank you for a new heaven and new earth one day. May we tell everybody we can about it. And may we make sure we're headed there ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Praise the Lord. We are so thankful that you joined us today. Um, Please be in prayer for our nation, our country, our neighbors, ourselves. Um, This is a trying time, but we have the Lord Jesus. We have hope in him. And would you reach out to someone this week that might need some help, that might need a distant hug? (laughs) We're so glad you joined us, and please join us again next week.